Thank you, everyone, for having us. And thank you, Steve Davis, for a wonderful set. There was many laughs to be had. And I'm sure that uh, perhaps David and I can bring you some of those laughs today. We're going to be talking a little bit about Einstein, and that may sound a little bit boring. However, uh, David, I'm sure, thank you for joining us, by the way, David. Uh, I'm sure you have a very interesting way to start us with that conversation. Well, it, it could be very interesting. I hope it's very interesting. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, and then Andy wasn't sure it was interesting, and then I told Andy what it was, and then he thought it was interesting. So we have two votes for interesting and one vote for not interesting. <laughs> so what's interesting about Einstein? Okay. Who knows who Einstein is? Yes. Okay. Audience response suggests everyone knows who Einstein is. Einstein, being a very famous physicist, when he died, left his brain to science. And the very early neuroscientists got super excited. We've got Einstein's brain. So they froze it, cut it into thin slices, put it under the microscope, and were profoundly disappointed. It looked totally normal. Now, at the point where they did this, neuroscientists only knew that grey matter mattered in the brain, and grey matter is nerve cells. 2005 neuroscientists are a lot smarter. They've worked out the white matter in the brain, which is called myelin, which is an insulator, is very important. The more myelin you have, the faster and harder your brain fires. So it's like going from an I3 Pentium chip to an I7 in one jump. So they looked at Einstein's brain again, and lo and behold, 30 to 40% more myelin than an average brain. So now we understand why Einstein was amazing. But the really important thing about myelin, and why I thought it was a good place to start tonight, is you get myelin as a consequence of working hard. If you practice something and you aim to be a little bit better every day and you work at learning a little bit more about the thing you're working at every day, you will lay more myelin down. The more myelin you lay down, the faster and harder those circuits will fire. So when I'm using my white cane to walk around, that's got an awful lot of myelin attached because it's an everyday thing. And if I get it wrong, I die. <laughs> Simple shit. In the case of Einstein, one of the things that made him unique was curiosity, but then the commitment to keep smashing on until he got a better answer than other people had. So I thought what we'd do tonight is go through some of his interesting quotes, because the last week I've heard all these people mentioning the quotes and just doing them as throwaway lines, not really recognising that he was a marvellous example of what happens if you work your ass off. So it's not just dumb luck. So I think we can all be Einstein if we work hard enough. Just remember that. Well, what, <laughs> what they've worked out is you may not be able to be Einstein, but you can be a lot better than you are. Mm. And until you turn 50, you can make myelin at will. So once you're 50, you're, you're done. At 50, you make a lot less myelin, which means in three years' time I start to worry. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is when you're learning to use your new iPhone, you're forgetting how to... Saw wood, for instance. Yeah, basically, by the time you're 50, what happens is you move the mile and you have. So, yeah, something's going in, but there's something else is falling out. Yep. Well, what we'll start with, I think, is a quote that, um, very short, but says a lot. The idle man does not know what it is to enjoy rest. Now, you really liked this one, didn't you? I love it. I think it's a fantastic quote because how often do you find yourself um, giving yourself a day off, maybe? And at the end of the day, you've realized that you've wasted it. You didn't particularly enjoy exactly what you were doing. You're not proud of anything. You haven't come away from the day feeling necessarily even rested. 
And perhaps that is an indication of taking too much rest when you could be doing something a little bit more productive. That's what it says to me. And that was kind of Einstein's point. Like this was a guy on the days where he was doing maths or physics. He worked all day on it. And on his day off from that, he played his violin all day because that was fun. So he was so habituated to doing something that would make him better and not just for the sake of ego, but for the pure pleasure of accomplishment. And that's a remarkable thing with him. Like The more we find his old letters, the more we see Einstein was not the nicest human. You know, you really didn't want to be his first wife. <laughs> and you didn't want to cross him in a professional setting. But the point was not to be the most famous physicist. It was to be the most accomplished Einstein Einstein could be. And that meant that if he was going to have a day of rest... It needed to be rest to recover, rest to just enjoy the sunshine, you know, the sound of the bees, the smell of the flowers, because he knew he'd worked hard and he'd earned it. Very simple but very powerful. Uh, Speaking of simple, he said a lot about that as well. Mm. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I really like that one because part of the aim of this podcast when Tim pitched the idea we do it was, okay, let's talk about big things but let's deliberately make it comprehensible and take the risk of reducing things a little bit too much, which Einstein warns about. (laughs) But if you can get hundreds of people thinking about interesting things, then oversimplify just a little bit if you have to. They can call you out when they know more than you do. So when you know more about Einstein than I do, call me out. Well, it's funny because in contrary, in contrary to that, he also says make everything as simple as possible but not simpler. Yeah, and that's where I have to disagree a bit going, yeah, dude, you're the one that explained to us how the whole universe works. <laughs> you know, I'm still baffled. I can't get past the basic equations. You know, I sure as hell can't understand the complex equations. So, David, you, would, uh, you may be a little bit too close to home on this one as a university educator, but he also said the only thing that interferes with my learning is my education. Well, this is why I'm only a university educator past time. <laughs> because if I was a university educator all the time, I'd be doing, you know, I would be fighting the system. You know, just <laughs> after World War II, Karl Popper, a famous philosopher of science, said that universities had become the maintainers of orthodoxy, i.e. that by 1946, universities weren't doing anything new. And I have to say, by my experience by the 1990s, the only people who taught me anything new as an undergrad were the people who were fighting the system. Mm. And now I regularly feel like the one who's fighting the system and has to make sure they haven't landmined my door. (laughs) Right. Well, I think maybe uh, this is a little bit more complex. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Sounds very physicist. It's a great analogy. I've always liked the shark one better. If a shark stops, it drowns. Therefore, it needs to keep moving. Mm. Now, of course, we know now that most sharks can have a sleep which has ruined the whole beautiful image of a great white shark 50 metres down, prowling, prowling. And there's a little baby seal and the shark lights up and goes, yes. Now, to me, that's a much better image than Einstein on his bike. But the important thing here is it's not just keeping moving. It's not just motion. Motion will stop you falling off the bike. But this is a guy who couldn't help having a purpose and a direction for where he was riding. So in a sense, his line's great and clear and simple, but it's also incomplete because he wasn't riding the bike in circles. You could ride the bike in circles and still not fall off. What's the point? Now, it might make you physically fit, 
But how boring is that circle going to get? Where's the stimulation? Where's the next step? Where's the sense of accomplishment? So in some cases, his beautiful throwaway lines end up unfortunately being a little bit incomplete. We'll move on to imagination because he speaks a little bit about that. Well, quite a lot about that. And for someone who is knows a lot of facts, let's say, you would imagine that he would know a lot of facts. And I didn't know him personally. Imagination is more important than knowledge, he says. Okay, you're an undergrad at the moment studying philosophy. Yes. You're learning a lot about facts. Well, I think any undergrad does, yeah. How's your imagination doing? Oh, terrific. Yeah, I have no divergent thinking whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) So is that really the message? Well, I'm not sure that the script is helping. I'm not diverging from that, so. Okay. (laughs) But but is this kind of the point that facts are great, Mm. but it's your imagination that puts them together in a better way? Mm. So whatever you've managed to learn as an undergrad so far, whatever I managed to teach you last semester, the little pieces are just little pieces. Your imagination will turn them into something better than what anyone who taught you gave you. You will make it more valuable than, you know, than the pieces are. And he also says imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. So does that fit into that model? I don't know. I like the line, but it's one of the ones I look at and go, was that when he played violin all day and he was just happy? <laughs> I'm not yeah. real sure what to do with it's that. It's not one. exactly concise. No, it's like, okay, are you being mystical? <laughs> well, there's a wonderful line. I don't know if we include it in our list, mm. you know, where he says, you know, God's not capricious. Yes. And I'm like, well, really? <laughs> Let's put that with the imagination line and see what happens. Mm. Well, we'll finish off with the a last quote, which is, once we accept our limits, we go beyond them. Now, that's a beautiful one. Yes. It says a lot in such a little amount. Yeah, and, and a great one for you to pick to put on the end. <laughs> you know, again, as we've talked about in podcasts before, if I accept the limits of being blind and using a cane, I'd be a really boring human being. <laughs> Instead, I'm a very strange human being. I figure that's been a worthwhile break of the limits. <laughs> I think it's amazing that you've ended up at this event in the situation that you're in. I'm not sure that people are expecting to come and see a blind man talk. Well, it's probably better than a blind man being Mr. Squiggle. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I'm probably not getting out of here alive. (laughs) Right. Well, I think these are the kinds of things that you can expect that we talk about on our podcast. Again, that would be Blind Insights with David Olney. Being that you have a very interesting perspective on on things, and I certainly, as someone who is young and, let's say, not wise, have enough questions that supports a conversation. He's young and asks very wise questions. Don't let him make you believe <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the compliment, and uh, we definitely appreciate all of you being here and being so quiet and polite. That yeah, was very you, nice. Come on, thank you. <laughs> Give yourselves a big clap for being awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to the Adelaide Podcast Festival. 